0: What was that? Good afternoon. There we go. I can hear you <laughs> Okay. So I was thinking thinking about uh, what should I talk about today? Uh, Lord, what do you want me to speak on?" And couldn't think of a topic, couldn't think of a topic. And then as the Lord just said, "Well, pick up where you left off in your broadcast through the week. Okay, we'll do that. So we're going to go to 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3. So, <clears throat> we have been working through uh, the books of Thessalonians, Letters of Paul to the Church of Thessalonica, and covered a lot of ground, a lot of stuff about the Thessalonians, how powerful they were, great they were as witnesses for the Lord, how they're standing fast, standing strong, and, and all of this. And how Paul just going on and on about the the inspiration that they are and that mm. says how you even encourage us Paul says the Thessalonians encouraging Paul to continuing to keep going all this and uh, so all down through just again and again it's just all about this kind of thing and now we're kind of wrapping up uh, this uh, this study we're now in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 3 the the final words of Paul here to the Thessalonians in chapter 3. Now there's something, though, that I want to kind of uh, pull out here just to spend some time talking about, and that is the first two verses of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So we see, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it were with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Let's pray. Our Lord, we do thank you for this time and how we can gather together around your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, that you would teach us, you would speak to us, that, Lord, you give me the words which to say, and that, Lord, it would be a great encouragement to the hearers. Lord, I pray that you bless this time, but had your protection about us. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So, yeah. as you folks know the drill, and all the, those of you online, grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. Grab a tea, grab your coffee, grab your snacks, and come join us at the table as we sit around to study the Word of God. It's time to dive into His Word. So we're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And the point that I want to pull out here, in first, first verse here, pray for us. Pray for us. Now we take a look at the time and uh, the events the things going on around this time as Paul's also talking to Thessalonians and praising them for how they are able to just continue to keep going in the face of all of their persecutions and oppressions, their trials and tribulations, the things that they're going through. You have to remember, this is the time of Nero, that the horrific, horrific, it just brutalization of the church, and due to some ears here, I can't really go into detail the kind of things that they did. But it was an absolute nightmare show for the Christians, especially those in Rome. And we see how the, uh, Paul just going on and on through a lot of his letters encouraging the saints to stand strong, stand strong, keep pushing, keep, uh, don't deny, just hold the line. As you see, again we have the the persecution of Nero, and then you got the persecution of the Judaizers and the Pharisees and them, then you got the pagans and the heathens, you got the devils, and you got the flesh, all of this. Now today we're kind of blessed for now uh, in our nation to not have as much of physical persecutions and oppressions like they do in some places in the world, or in China they'll take you away to the black prisons, where you are never to be seen or heard from again, or they may even just kill you. In the Middle East, the religion of peace will cut your head off for being a Christian, or if you're lucky, you'll be sold to slavery for the rest of your life. And all kinds of these things happening in certain places of the world, but we're pretty much safe here. The worst you get, someone calls you a name, slams a door in your face, or something like that, or gets mad and won't go to church, the persecutions we get here isn't really as much but nonetheless that doesn't diminish the effectiveness that that hindrances oppositions can cause like a continual dropping of water though it just be one drop if it continues to drop will drive you mad that you know, this uh, littlest of persecutions oppressions problems from people places things can cause you to lose faith, grow depressed, get upset, walk away from the Lord, stop praying, stop reading, and it eventually drives you spiritually mad. You can get angry at God, you get angry at the faith, and you can give up in one way, shape, or form, or another. And this is why Paul, throughout his letters, again and again, is always just Driving home that point of rejoicing in persecutions, rejoicing in tribulations, giving it all to the Lord. And as as was mentioned with the song, the doctrine of the hymns of praising the Lord for what the Lord has done is be ye remembrancers of the Lord. Because when we remember him and what he's done, what he's gone through and what he will do for us, the promises of God, God cannot lie. This drives away the fear and the heaviness. Now, this goes on, as you see here, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as as it is with you. Now, glorified, have free course in this world, that means to uh, quick proliferation, be able to go out and have have no opposition, that it would just spread, quick spreading. But yes, on a public scale, social scale and, and whatnot, but also we can take... As we understand there's interpretation there's also application it can be applied mentally, physically, spiritually, circumstantially. Now we see that the pray for us pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course to be glorified in our own lives as well to not forget who we are who we represent, to remember the word of the Lord that it would that that it would have proliferation through our lives, mind, hearts, body, soul, spirit, and everything that we do, even eating and drinking, dwell to the glory of God, to remember the Lord. Because when we remember the Lord, have faith in the Lord like this, it drives away fear. It drives away all these things, and we see, as well as the stories, if you've been bold enough to read Fox's book of Martyrs, how did those people stand strong in the Lord, faced to the things that they are going to face? With the lions barreling down on them or the executioner coming with the torch or some other horrific thing. How did they stand fast? Well, we see the power of the Lord that we don't look at the physical. We don't look at the physical. We don't look at the things of this world, but we look at the hope to come. Where I'm going, what the Lord is about, how great He is, that He is greater than even these things. But The the power and the truth of God, the ways of the Lord, transcend even my discomfort in the moment, regardless what it is. Pray for us that our minds can transcend physicality. Because if we don't, if we don't, verse 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable wicked men, for all men have not faith. You say you have faith. You say you love the Lord. You say you believe his word, but you deny him by your works. So you see, it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to say you have faith. But what about when the trials and things come down? Because part of why I'm bringing this up it's because I've been asked a few times uh, by a few individuals and uh, about the possibility of our wonderful governments bringing all this, this stuff back again that they did the past few years. And not just that, but also coupling that with the heightened debauchery and craziness and pathological nonsense going on in the world today. And it's increasing, increasing, increasing. You know, what about this? What about this? What about this? I'm like, what about it? And? And? So what? Let's go back to Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. Please turn there. You need to see this. so what that the governments want to do what they want to do so what if the wf wants to do what they want to do so what if the heathens and the pagans go on and and uh, run the streets and the country the way they do psalm chapter 2 verse 1 the way i i kind of interpret verse 1 the first bit there is let them rave on so the men shall know them mad psalm chapter 2 verse 1 why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Verse 4, what does God do? Ring his hands, worry, fret, fear? He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. God's laughing at their attempts at what they're doing. To him, it's funny. Oh, you are really ruined the world well, aren't you? Yeah, that's how you do it. God's mocking them. He mocks them. What it says here, he laughs, that means to mock as Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal. Was he wringing his hands over? Oh, what if I can't call the fire? What if it doesn't work? Well, oh, they might not get upset, they might get upset. What about this, was Elijah doing that? Or was he sitting back, crossed his arms, mocking the prophets of Baal? Cry louder, cry louder, maybe your God's asleep. Cry louder, cry louder, maybe he's on a long journey. You see, the, the fear of the Lord dispels the fear of men And the eyes upon God, you cannot see the physical events. It doesn't matter what this world is going to do. It doesn't matter how they're going to go about it. It doesn't matter what the government plans. What about about diseases? What about illnesses? What about them? He raises the dead. He heals the sick. He He casts out the devils. Look what the Lord can do. But not all men have faith. Not all men have faith. And even some hearing this may may be thinking in their mind, yeah, well, you just don't understand why we, but we need to, we need to, no, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. We need to keep our eyes on God. We need to keep our eyes on Him, on His promises. Not on, oh, we gotta protect ourselves, protect ourselves. Well, I'm glad the martyrs didn't have that kind of thought or they would've quit the faith. They would've quit the faith well, they're coming to take my head off. They're coming to throw me to the lions. They're gonna burn me alive and all kinds of other things. What about that? We just put the pinch of salt, just put the pinch of salt on the altar. Well we got to protect ourselves. Why? The fear of the Lord dispels the fear of men. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. but all men, but not all men have faith. and this is why why we as the saints, need to stand together, not as an army of one, but as, as a group together, as brethren, shoulder to shoulder, encouraging one another to stand, to stand fast, unmovable, to stand in the promises of the Lord. To be ye remembrancers of the Lord, be ye remembrancers of the Lord, that we may, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. We see the reason of faith and the reason of the world. We see the reason of spirit, the logic and the reason, the understanding, the, 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 the mind of spirit and the mind of flesh. The mind of flesh is all self-centered about me. It's about the events and the things I see, I feel, I hear, it's the senses. But we're supposed to transcend this. Cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It doesn't matter what this world does. It doesn't matter what this world says. Pray for us. Pray for each other. Pray for yourselves to stand fast. That you don't lose faith when things come down the line, regardless what it is. Now, there are many, many ways to interpret this last little bit here in applications. I have a few here that I want to talk about. We see in verse 2, the first, the po- first point, some have not faith in regarding the world. The way the world views the faith, they have no faith in God. They don't believe in the Lord. They don't believe in Him. They, don't, they could care less about the Bible. They have no faith in Christ, no faith in the world. And we see those in the world, the heart of the world, the heart of flesh, has no faith. In the things of God. Fears, worries, stresses, frets, is anxious about everything. There's no faith. They don't look to Him. So their reason then, their reasoning is reasoning of logic and, and reasoning of physical science. Science is falsely so called, and the, and they try to understand and figure things out themselves. They exalt themselves as gods. They want to cast off the bands of the Lord and the ways of the Lord. They want to be free from the Lord, and they want to do their own thing. That's as we see in Psalm chapter 2. The next point that we come to as well, now switch from there. I want to focus over onto the realm of Christianity. There is a group of individuals uh, generally uh, belonging to a certain sect. They're called cessationists. Cessationists have no faith in the power of God. They say they do, but they do not. They categorically deny the supernatural events and signs and wonders and miracles. They deny that those things exist, like uh, the MacArthurites, who flat out say it's just a knowledge war. It's just a knowledge war. There's no power. Miracles don't happen, and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't happen. That was for back then with the apostles, not for today. Show me, anybody please, um, show me anywhere in the New Testament where all the miracles, signs, wonders, these things have ended. I'm still waiting. I've asked that years ago, and I'm still waiting. No one can answer that, but they're adamant that those things have ended. But it hasn't. But the answer to this thing is I've been asked a question from an individual about this. They asked me a couple days ago, well, how come we don't see miracles today then? My, my answer basically was along the lines of, I'm amazed that you can't see it. Well, what are answered prayers? Who are you talking to? Who's answering your prayers? Wouldn't a person getting born again saved constitute as a miracle? They've gone from, like I led the fellow to the Lord a little while ago, was in the old cult. He went from serving spirits and occultism, and now he's a born-again Christian believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not a miracle, a changed life? What about you call upon the Lord, answer prayers. You pray for the Lord to help you, to heal you, and he does, For to provide for you, and he does, to help someone else, and he does, again and again and again. But faithlessness, faithlessness, brings in fear, unbelief, and blinds the eyes. And all you can see is your own feelings and opinions. All you can see is the outflowing of the results of your faithlessness and your fear. That uh, they don't believe in what it talks about in James. If any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. And they praying over them, and with oil, uh, if they have committed any sins, it will be forgiven them. And they will be healed. We don't see that hardly much anymore these days. Why is that? And most Christians run run to the pharmacy, run to themselves, run to everything else, and they have not faith. They have not faith. We've, we see that regularly. They have not faith. They don't call upon the Lord first. They say they're praying about it, but they're praying in a mindset of doubt and fear. They're asking the Lord to help them, but they're quickly running, booking it out to, to try to solve it themselves. We see this again and again, because they have not faith. But what does the Lord say? They have not faith. So to bring ourselves back to where we can have faith, well it's faith in what? Well, First we have to look at what is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the hope. Of, uh, of the Lord that he will keep his word, as he said he would, looking to him, longing after him, seeking his face in prayer, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. We may be delivered from unreasonableness. Look at, look at this in verse two that we may be delivered from unreasonableness. Another way of looking at this. Not just the unreasonable ways of others, what about our own personal, independent, mindset of unreasonableness in the ways of the Lord? Would you not say that it's unreasonable to say that you love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then doubt that he'll answer his word, that he'll keep his promises, he'll answer your prayers? That that, to call upon him in a state of fear and doubt and worry and stress and fretting, would that not be unreasonableness? I would say so. Would you say that's wicked? To, to, to look at the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has done, he's accomplished, who he is, what he said he'd do, how he would hold us. W- would you say that it's wicked to look him in the eyes, to say you love him, but then doubt his promises and to not take his word in faith seriously? Would you say that's a wicked thing? I would because that's the result of flesh overriding the spirit. Your flesh wars against your spirit. And you cannot do the things you would. It's a form of unreasonableness. And wickedness of the heart of flesh. Paul talks about the, the dichotomy in Romans chapter 7 about the war between the spirit and the flesh. My flesh hates the things of the spirit. It hates God, hates his promises, it hates praying, hates reading the Bible. It hates going to church. It hates the things of faith. The flesh only loves and only holds to that which it can experience itself hold itself and see itself that it has to control it has to be the authority the flesh has to hold the keys but what does the lord say to cast off the flesh to sacrifice it to uh, uh crucify the flesh with the affections and lust thereof that we may be delivered delivered From the fear of the flesh, delivered from the fear of man, delivered from the fear of the world, delivered from ourselves, because we are our own worst enemy. Our flesh is a demon of demons that hates everything that we try to do in the name of the Lord. It opposes us at everything that we try to do in the name of the Lord. Our flesh is our own devil that we are chained to, and it is wicked. It is unreasonable. It is God-hating, Christ-hating, faith-hating. It is a monster. And it will argue and fight with you on everything that is about the Lord. How do we fight back? The Lord says, the Lord says, the Lord says, every time, thus saith the Lord. But God says, but Christ says, but the word of God says, this is our tradition. This is our hope. This is our truth. This is our marching order. Not what I think, I feel, I believe. It's not about me protecting myself. It's about God holding me despite what's going to happen. Even if something bad is going to happen, what if I'm meant to go through it? We were never promised that we'd be delivered from experiencing the wicked things and, and horrible things. But the, as we see in verse 3, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. That does not mean you won't experience having to go through. Because sometimes we have to go through the mountains or the valleys of the shadow of death, sometimes we're meant to have to go through the hardships. But look what the Lord says here. The Lord is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He's also faithful to hold us, faithful who has promised. Faithful who shall establish you. To stablish. Now we take a look at that. It's chapter 3 and verse 2. And uh, who shall stablish. Now I am not a Greek scholar and I. My dad should be proud of this. I'm trying to learn how to pronounce Greek words. He's giving me the, up, the, the eyebrows. the stay rizzo, stay Rizzo, however you say that. To make stable, place firmly, set fast, fix, to fix. So we see standing steadfast, unmovable, always abounding the word of God. And in, in the cleft of the rock we're on the rock, that is higher than I, we're not built on the sand, but the solid rock, the foundation, that we will not be moved. This is the picture here. So you see here in verse 3, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you, who will affix, fasten, who will fasten you, and keep you from evil, meaning that as we were, uh, like I gave that picture last time we were talking about this in 2 Thessalonians, about the lighthouse that is Fixed on the solid rock and the waves cannot move it. A solidly built lighthouse is unmovable regardless of the waves. It's not saying that there won't be waves, it's saying you won't be moved. The, the, he is faithful who will establish you, will make a way that that he says, I will not allow thee to be tempted above that which ye are able. He will even limit the waves specifically so that they will never damage the lighthouse. That's what he's saying. He says, I will lead you through the valleys of the shadow of death. Uh, 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 Though the temptations come, he will make a way of escape. He'll help us through it. He'll help us about it. That whatever comes into our lives, whatever rises, whatever evils come our way, He will help us get through it, around it, by it. He'll make a way of escape. Whether it be in life or by our death, how beautiful to the Lord is the death of His saints, as the scriptures say. That standing steadfast even unto death. We don't fear death. Not supposed to. You're not supposed to. are not supposed to fear death. For I know who I serve, I know where I'm going, I know what the faith is, and I'm willing to die on that hill. I don't know about you. I'm gonna die on that hill. I don't care what comes. I don't care what the government say. I'm gonna keep the faith. The government says you're not allowed to gather together. My God says we're supposed to. The government says you're not allowed to sing the hymns. My God says you're supposed to sing the hymns and to praise the Lord. The government says you're not allowed to proliferate and evangelize. My God says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The government says you're not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. When it's things that God has commanded us, we have to obey God rather than men. We ought to fear the Lord rather than men. We fear God, not death. We fear that which is of the Lord who can kill both body and soul in hell. We fear the Lord or our minds are things of spirit, not on things of this world or flesh. It doesn't matter what is coming our way. We fear nothing. We are to have all faith in Him. All faith in Him. But I fear for the faithless, for the fearful and unbelieving. Those who say they love the Lord, but when trials come along, they crumble, and they fall apart, and they wring the hands, and they start fearing for their own lives, or their own safety. I fear for them, but what can we do for them? Pray for them, not tear them down, as one preacher says that the, the army of God is one of the only armies of the world that shoots its own wounded. We tear each other down sometimes, but we're supposed to lift each other up. And the soldiers on the battlefield, they're marching shoulder to shoulder. If one starts stumbling, the other reaches over and brings him up. He doesn't spear him or leave him behind, picks him up and helps him to keep going. Helps the other to root their feet, stand together, lock arms, lock shields, march together. That's how we're supposed to do it. You see, someone that's struggling, the Bible says, God says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ to help one another To not be unreasonable in the faith, but to reason the faith of Christ, the love of Christ, the power of Christ unto salvation. For all men have not. Those that you see struggling, those you see falling apart, encourage them, strengthen them, build them up, pray for them. That's what he says here. To help them through the evils. The evil days come, or whatever way it may be sickness or, uh, or pains, aches, uh, troubles of the world, whatever it may be, to bear one another's burdens, hold each other up, strengthen each other, help each other. We're supposed to stand together, to fight the good fight, to keep the faith, to equip ourselves to be strong. The modern-minded, fearful saints, as we see in this world, is, it truly really separates the goats from the sheep. It truly shows the difference between the men and the boys. Those who truly take the faith seriously, we really see it. And the effectiveness on it, when the ways of this world, and we're told what's going to happen, and what it does against the churches, we see how many run away, they give up. Not all men have faith. Not all men have faith. Do you suppose that back in the early church time that there were saints that when faced with the persecutions and the, the wrath of Nero and the Colosseum, and all they had to do was put a pinch of salt on the altar. Do you suppose that there were some that did't? Yeah, I dare say many did. Does that mean they're no longer our brothers and sisters in Christ? No all because some fall apart, all because some do get fearful some. Some have issues, some have problems, some may even compromise their faith. That they fear the government more than God, they fear the world more than the Lord, they fear man more than Christ. We don't hate them. We don't turn against them. We don't speak evil against them. We ought not. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and how dare we do that? That we should look in ourselves, if we have done that, repent of ourselves in that, and rather we're to help them. Pray for them that much more. Hold them that much more. God does. Why shouldn't we? Christ does. Why shouldn't we? We, And so we see in this last point here, all men have faith. Faith enough to forgive. Faith enough to look to the Lord. Faith enough to overcome the things that could hold us back because unforgiveness will cause us to lose blessings from the Lord. The the Lord Jesus says, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you yours. So we see forgiveness, faith enough to look at them that, that, like the saying, God can use people I don't agree with. That's a hard one. That's a hard one to learn. God can use people I don't agree with. It's all because you don't agree. But first we have to examine to see are they of us? Are they of our brethren? Are they born-again Christians? How can you tell that? Well, they go to church. That doesn't mean you're a Christian. It means you're religious. Well, they go to prayer meeting. Well, that means they're a little bit more religious than others. Well, well, they, well, they carry Bibles. They love Jesus, sing the hymns. It means nothing. Where, where is the gospel? We examine the Gospel coming out of their mouth. If they believe in the Gospel according to Scripture, there are brothers and sisters in Christ, you're to wrap your arms around them in prayer and faith, regardless what else about them you may disagree with. If they're born-again Christians, they're children of the Most High God, as you are, we stand together, you march together, you fight together, shoulder to shoulder. You override faithlessness with the love of Christ. You override the fear of the government, the fear of the world, the fear of all these things by the love of Jesus Christ. When your eyes are upon the Lord Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone, everything else fades away. The persecutions, the tribulations, the trials of this world are nothing. Nothing to be compared to the joy of Christ. Nothing to be compared to the hope of glory. Nothing to be compared that the roar of the Lion of Judah is louder than the roar of that lion is charging down on me. That's the mindset. That's what it is. The power of the Spirit of Christ that holds me is stronger than than even the law enforcement that may arrest me, as we've seen them do that, arresting preachers and evangelists and chaining churches. But the grip of the Lord upon me is stronger than their grip to arrest me. It doesn't matter what this world throws at me. Pains and aches, we look at the trials that Christ went through, how his body was broken for us. What are you willing to sacrifice for Him? What are you willing to give up for Him? Are you willing to give up your fear? Are you willing to look to Him, to trust Him, to have faith in Him when you have faith in nothing else? We hear the saying, losing faith in society, losing faith in this world. Maybe, but don't lose faith in Christ all because the sins and the wickednesses, the unreasonableness of this world is increasing that much more and it's getting that much stronger, that should not be affecting your faith in Christ. That should not be affecting your faith in prayer and the promises of the Lord. Because if you say you have faith when everything's going well, but then your faith disappears and trials come, did you ever have faith? Did you ever have faith to begin with? We have to have 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 faith in Him regardless. The same faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation is the same faith you have in the rest of the story, the rest of the life, the rest of the walk, regardless what comes. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. That the faith of Christ, the Word of God would be glorified, not just in the works, in the proliferation, but will be glorified even in our own lives. To glorify the Lord in His Word in our own lives. The hope of Him, the praise of Him, the work of Him in our lives. Even as it is with you, he's talking with Thessalonians. Look at them as the example. And, and that, pray for us, and that we'd be delivered. Pray that the word of God would have free course and we'd be delivered. Now just think about that in a physical sense, in a spiritual sense, and in a mental sense. The word of God may be exalted higher than everything else that's going on, and the faith of Jesus Christ that the faith of Jesus Christ would deliver us from, the, from our fears of ourselves, the fear of man, everything else, and that we may be delivered from unreasonableness. Just wanna, something I want to talk about there. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day, this time, and Lord, that you'd truly help us to see this, to understand this. Lord, I pray that uh, your faith, your word would be that much more powerful in our hearts and minds, that, Lord, that regardless what comes, Lord, though it be the raging of kings, or, Lord, the roaring of the wicked lions, I pray, Lord, that you would hold us, help us to stand fast, unmovable, always abounding in your word and in the faith. Lord, that you would strengthen us. And, Lord, forgive our fears. Forgive us our worries, Lord. Forgive us if we have compromised, if we have fallen. Lord, I pray that you pick us up Though the righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Lord, that you'd pick us back up and focus on you. Lord, that you'd strengthen us in all these things and help us now as we go our way. Lord, that this would always be on our hearts and minds. And Lord, that we'd not grow apathetic. And Lord, that you'd give us opportunity to share the word, that it would have free course in our lives and free course through our mouths in witnessing. I pray, Lord, you'd help us. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. i